normally I would have a class on a Wednesday uh, evening and I would bring like, you know, my weapons with me. But uh, I've got a gig tonight after this, so I'm just <laughs> heading straight into the city. So no ninja ring for me today. Do you ever like get nervous that one day you'll be like stopped on a tram because there's something suspicious going on and they'll just, as a matter of course, search everyone and just find your bag full of ninja stars? Oh, yeah, look, well, thankfully, um, all the, the equipment that we have is safety uh, equipment, so it's all training stuff. So Still. <laughs> but yeah, still, it doesn't, doesn't look good. <laughs> This is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoo. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Totally Obsessed, episode 18. This is my podcast where I talk to interesting people about the interesting thing that interests them. I'm Dan DeBoo and my guest this week is Dave Callan. Comedian, uh, you might have seen him on Rove or Spicks and Specs or heard him on Triple J or seen him at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I remember one of the shows he did was where he did the dance, the single ladies dance that Beyonce does as the crescendo of his show. And I, I remember thinking anyone who does something like that is probably prone to obsession, which meant I had to get him on this podcast uh, to figure out how his brain works, why he becomes obsessed with things and what he's into, and he suggested ninjas. So I got ready to talk about, I don't know, ninja movies or whatever, but Dave has actually lived as a ninja in Japan and trained as a ninja. As you heard, he has an arsenal of ninja weapons. So this was a fascinating chat. Uh, We go through all the weapons in Ninja Turtle order. He taught me some ninja lessons myself, Um, and also the amazing story of how James Bond Roald Dahl and Dave's own sensei combined to create the popular images that we have of ninjas in our mind and in our culture today. It's a real mind blower of a story. So I hope you enjoy this episode number 18 of Totally Obsessed. It's all about ninjas with Dave Callan. If you do enjoy it, share it with your friends, like it, review it, give it five stars on iTunes and we're on Spotify now as well. Uh, If you want to listen to us there, if that's your preferred medium. But however you're listening to us, here is episode 18 of Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. Dave, tell me about your obsession. Okay, so um, when I was a kid... I used to, well, I went into hospital for a long time. Um, I had problems with my, my legs, so they're all, they're all fine now, but um, my uncle visited me, and he'd just seen Enter the Ninja, which is a ninja film, and he, it, it sounds vaguely <laughs> the sexual. The name didn't fool me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I remember, I'll never forget, I was in hospital bored out of my mind. This is a long time before iPads yeah. and consoles that were easy to attach to TVs and so on, so... I was just drawing pictures, and he came in and fired up my imagination by talking about this ninja film, and I just oh, got really... Oh, so it's not like it was on TV or anything. He just watched it at a cinema and just come in and go, oh my God, I've got to tell someone, little Dave. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he described these these crazy things called ninjas to me, and they sounded amazing, and they jumped around and backflipped into trees. Uh, 
and you know um they had swords and throwing stars and i was like wow so i used to draw these in in my little drawing book and then uh, i'd go to the shops and see if i could find uh, any books on ninjas and i was obsessed so where was this where were you growing up well this is in dublin but i was growing up in uh, dundalk in okay. ireland um and you know those video games started to come out in the late 80s it was a big ninja boom <laughs> you were lucky called. to grow up in the the Dublin ninja boom <laughs> as it was known yeah exactly so I, I was very excited about ninjas as a kid then uh, and played all the video games Shinobi was a was a crazy yeah. great one and uh, Renegade was another good one and Saboteur and I used to read choose your own adventure books with ninjas in them I was all about ninjas when yeah, I was a kid great. and so uh, flash forward about uh, a few decades and I forgot about ninjas and then got distracted by you know life yeah uh, totally i had to do that thing called life and so i'm uh i'm on facebook and i decided i wanted to do martial art because i always have wanted to and so i've gone hey does anyone know any good martial arts to do and so my mate goes oh come and be a ninja with me and i've gone what you can be one now it feels like ninja is the kind of thing it's like fight club where you aren't allowed to tell people you're mm. a ninja yeah. isn't it like there could be a ninja right now in this room and you wouldn't know well there's well, at least one <laughs> maybe more who knows they do, they do tend to follow me around and make sure i'm doing the right thing at all times so um i i could talk about it all day i just i just love it i love uh, the history of ninjas i love the fictional kind of you know television video game ninja we see in the media yeah and i, I love the actual uh, art itself it's a living history because you're learning how to do all these techniques that go back a thousand years and are battle tested you know what's um fascinating. yeah so ninjas like they live in two worlds in people's hearts and minds i guess there's as you say the fictional ninja and the actual real life ninja that actually happened mm. in i mean i i haven't done any googling before this podcast but i want to say japan yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and what are we talking about feudal japan a thousand mm. years ago kind of thing yeah there were kind of um korean and um chinese kind of assassins but the the ninja as we know it um is a japanese thing um and they always wore like masks around their faces and they threw throwing stars and crept in through the window or what like yeah what? well yeah they did they did do all those things but um the more I find out about it, the more I go, although these things are true and occurred and are uh, documented, the reality is a little bit more interesting because, for example, um, they don't wear those black kind of ninja costumes that we all know. Um, they tend to wear whatever everyone else is wearing so they yeah. can blend in. <laughs> so often they would dress as um, Shinto priests. They would dress as farmers, um, you know, um, kind of... Uh, Repair men is another good one because they have access to everything. Yeah. You know, cleaners, janitors, and so on. And they'd often get jobs um, in places and wait for months and months or years just to strike or collect oh, the so intel. Or they're kind of more like doing. spies or sleeper agents or something mm. like that than, yeah. say, I don't know, um, yeah. SWAT team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but both as well, I would say. There, there was a certain element of the kind of SWAT team. As soon as they um, were uh, active, when they weren't sleeper, um, they would they would have all the skills and techniques, yeah. yeah, to to be able to carry out their missions, whether it was gathering intel or taking somebody out or whatever. But you know, the more I do the martial art, uh, the more I come to to realize that um, they're really teaching um, something quite profound for humanity, and that is to to control yourself, or that the enemy is yourself, or what we need to connect collect intel about is our own kind of psychology and develop as humans and 
bring more peace to the world. So, um, yeah, there's a good lineage, and, and certainly the Grandmaster now, uh, Dr. Hatsumi Sensei, he is, um, he's a wonderful human being. He's, he's kind of like, I, I describe him as the Dalai Lama of martial arts. You, you've met him? I have, yeah. Wow, there's so much going on now. You've brought so much to the table in the first, like, five minutes. Oh, I'm so lucky to have met yeah. him. I've been to his house. He's 87 now. Where it was is his he? birthday um, two days ago, in fact. Um, Happy he's, birthday. He's in Japan. So yeah. he's, in, he's in a place called uh, Noda City, which is about an hour and a half out of Tokyo. Did you do like a specific holiday? You're like, I want to go to Japan and tee up a meeting with this guy. Uh, the dojo I go to, my sensei goes there um, about three or four times a year. And he always says, look, if you want to come to Japan, it's not easy. It's hard. It's financially, it's challenging as well. But if you want to come, let me know and I'll, um, I'll, see, I'll see what we can do. And, and you so, did it. Yeah, I've, I've been once a year for the last three years now um, wow. to, to Japan to live in a modern day kind of ninja clan. So you, you're living in there with them and it's, it's nonstop. Long? It's intense, about 10 days. Wow. Um, you're waking up first thing in the morning, you're training two, three times a day. And in between, there's, there's a lot of stuff to do. It's, um, it's interesting because um, you kind of do everything for your sensei to make his life easy. And he does everything for his sensei and, and so on up the chain, kind of like a pyramid scheme. But, um, <laughs> so as an example, I would wake up in the morning and just get the bags ready, get get everything ready, put the bags in the car. So the idea being sensei can just come out, sit in the car and start driving. So you, you, you just <laughs> seriously, isn't it bizarre? I mean... Like it, you're a chauffeur, like yeah, a ninja, yeah, yeah. like a butler. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm kind of like a cross between Robin and Alfred from Batman <laughs> at the same time. So I'm kind of making sure all he doesn't have to think and, and you know, he's he's freed to, to, you know, do whatever he has to do because he's got lots of important ninja business. And so when you're over there, is it sort of like a whole bunch of people all in the one place uh, doing ninja work together? I think of like something like a yoga camp or something like that. Like, does it, is it a whole bunch of people? Mm, yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's a bit like a yoga camp. So, people come from all over the world. I think yeah. the last time I was there, there was a bunch of guys from India there, and there was some um, guys from um, I think um, just all over. There was a bunch of Americans there, a bunch of Greeks and Cyprians there. And because my next question was going to mm. be, is it just a whole room full of small like Japanese men, and you're this like? Tall oh. Irish long haired guy. Yeah, yeah, no, I certainly, uh, certainly don't uh, blend in too well. I wouldn't be a very good ninja in Japan. Maybe a good ninja in Scandinavia or somewhere. I'd blend in a bit more, but don't mind me. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's something suspicious about, you know, Suchiko. I'm, I'm a shinobi, yeah. I swear. Um, so yeah, no, I don't blend in well over there. But um, the the fact is, it's predominantly Westerners, especially during the daytime classes, because the Japanese work. But all the shihan uh, or the top level, um, kind of high level martial artists over there who teach, most of them are um are, are Japanese tiny people, wow. tiny folks. And so um, but it's amazing because they throw people around, you know, half their uh, twice their size and a quarter of their well, ages I in mean, some cases. They'd be fighting against fighting I don't know if it's the right term but against you mm. so you'd experience it firsthand or? yeah I have I have it's amazing it's just a miracle like they always say that you know you don't need uh, speed or power or muscle all you need is timing distance and balance and surely enough they they wait till the last second to step off wow. offline from the, uh, an attack 
And by that stage, you're kind of already overextended yourself, and then they use your balance points. And it must be so frustrating too. Like, God damn it, they did it again. Oh well, that's great. Being frustrated yeah. is great because you learn how to control yourself a bit more. Well, let's go back to when you put that Facebook post up, and someone said, "Hey, come to my ninja dojo." Um, what were you expecting, and what was it like? I was expecting uh, a lot more fly kicks. <laughs> from the video games and uh, television programs I'd seen, there's not a lot of fly kicking. It's, um, in fact, they say in ninjutsu, they say if someone's doing something fancy or elaborate or spectacular, just wait for them to land <laughs> and maybe you know put a fist underneath them. But um, yeah, it's it's very practical, very direct, um, but also there's a lot of kind of what's called kyojitsu, which is the interplay between truth and falsehood. So a simple way to describe kyojitsu is just trickery. You know when you're in the playground as a kid and someone like touches your chest and then you look down and they flick yeah. their finger up into your chin? That's kyojitsu. It's it's misdirection, basically, uh, like a magician. Or, you know, if somebody does this, they, they spin their fist around and then they hit you with the left fist. Yeah, okay. That kind of thing. Do you get taught these moves or is it just more a theory and you, because you learn the theories of misdirection, you then sort of use it on the fly mm. yeah it's interesting i've been to a different a few different dojos and some teach you like explicitly what to do where to stand where to move which foot and the other others um it's more uh more jazz than classical if that yeah. makes sense so you're yeah, kind yeah. Of making things up um and, and that's to do with the instructor or the mm. school yeah yeah so some of the, some of them they won't teach you they think it's dangerous to teach so they'll show you and then you copy the movement wow. and um yeah one one dojo i wasn't used to this style of teaching and i was going okay so so every time i'd ask a question so what do i do do i do do i apply pressure here or do i twist there and, and instead of telling me they would go <clears throat> and they'd like just kind of push you back and then they'd show it again so they just show it physically they don't orally tell you what to do and I, I think that's picked up from japan because sometimes they don't speak great english so they just have to show but also, it's a better way to learn um, through being shown, through trying to observe it as well as you can and then replicate the movement yourself. What's the room like? Is it like a gym? It is. It's a school gym, the one I go to here. But the wow, one in Japan is a... Yeah, obviously, proper, yeah. yeah. Dojo with tatami mats and all sorts of stuff. Swords yeah, on cool. The yeah. So that must cool. be the, one of the appeal of going as well. It's like it's all well and good to practice in your local gym, but to actually go there and experience it. It's yeah. kind of what you signed up for in the first place. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great doing it at that level and seeing, you know, the people who are, um, you know, incredibly advanced, high-level practitioners of it because there's no... You, you don't feel what they're doing. You know, when someone grabs someone in a fight, it's pretty clear my arm's being grabbed and being manipulated, pulled or pushed. You don't feel what they're doing. They're just connecting really lightly with their hands and waiting for you to do it, basically. You do the things that that bring about your own kind of unraveling uh, through intention and they can read your intentions. It's it's psychological as well as physical. And it's it's just, it's an amazing martial art. I, yeah. just, I just love it. How does a class roll out? Is it skills um, and then fights or then? Yeah, so we, we get there and uh, put the mats down. We, um, we warm up uh, a tiny bit by doing basic sanction movements, which are just kind of basic kind of like blocks. You've probably seen Japanese kata for karate. And we uh, have a quick sip, and we get back, and we do um, we do some basics, and by that time the sensei will have arrived, and we bow in, 
and we do hand-to-hand -hand combat for about maybe an hour, hour and a half. And then we have a, a lovely tea break, and we read out notes from Japan, so the philosophical side of it. Wow. And the things that the Grandmaster said, luckily, my sensei Skypes in with him a couple of times a week. Yeah. And writes down all the, the notes from the class. And uh, there's a translator over there in Japan who translates them all into English, and so we get to hear them. Uh, it's, it's quite lucky. It's a, it's a good connection at this dojo. Uh, after that, we do weapons, which is great. It's, it's part of the living history of it. So uh, the weapons, uh, you may know, uh, the staff, yeah, yep. uh, the katana. I think Raphael had the nunchucks. No, Michelangelo had the nunchucks that's and Raphael it. had the... Sai. Um, Sai, that's yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Which are a gardening tool, believe it or not. The three-prong kind yeah, of... Yeah. Mm. yeah. So only half of those really are, are common ninja weapons, the katana and the staff. Oh. The Sai, I don't know... Sai seem to be more of a Okinawan weapon. I think they're more of a karate weapon or something, but uh, I'm not exactly sure. I'm sure the listener, some of the listeners who might know a bit more about martial arts might know, but uh, nunchucks we don't use at all because um, they're one of those ones that you end up hitting yourself in the head more. <laughs> like I, I, as a kid, as a teenager, I would be in the backyard with nunchucks. And yeah, they're the kind of thing you buy on a holiday in oh, Bali. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't smart enough to get the padded ones or oh. whatever, so I just had... I had a pair of steel ones and a pair of wooden ones. Each would mess me up in different ways. But let's just say my kneecaps have never been the same again. And I certainly That's why you're in hospital. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it basically brought me back in there. Yeah, it's a, Time is a flat circle. So um, uh, very exciting. But the other weapons we use, um, mainly uh, different size stick. So a six foot, there's a, a four foot and a three foot stick. And then there's um, a lot of knife training because that's a common weapon nowadays on the streets. So we learn how to... Basically, you run away, just so you know. Anyone listening, <laughs> yeah, don't, sure. don't try and use techniques. That's the, and run away backwards so you can see them coming at you. Um, so, yeah. I just had my first ninja lesson. That's right. Run away. Lesson one, it's, run away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not very macho, but you will live to fight another day or just live to, to be uh, alive another day. And so you, you can't mess with people with knives because they're just too erratic that you don't know what they're going to do and they might be on meth and not feel pain and so so on. So um, you, you do have to be very careful. But um, I uh, I really like some of the weird kind of... There's a sickle. Yeah, you've probably seen a sickle and it's got like a long uh, kind of rope with um, a ring on the end. And Sensei's brought these out a few oh. times. It's, it's, there's a Kamasura... And then there's a Kaoketsu Shogi is the other one, but uh, the variations on each other. But um, they're fascinating. Like they swing around this rope with a either a ball on the end of it or a hoop. This is feeling a bit Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a, a weapon in Kill Bill which was um, inspired by a meteor hammer. Okay. But she, the Japanese girl, had the spiked ball with the big long yeah. rope. Yeah. And similar techniques, you can like wind it around your head and then flip it around like that, flip it over your leg and over your knee and just shoot it out from your foot and it's a crazy weapon I've as actually in it's got, possible to do or you can do it uh it's i've got i've got a training one i bought online oh. it's a, a meteor hammer so it's, the a, original, it's a baseball in a stocking <laughs> yeah basically i i had a bit of a crafternoon um, <laughs> but yeah i got one on um one of those kind of either wish or alibaba one of those chinese websites so it came and it's um yeah it's a rubber ball and it's got like a little satin little golden satin kind of sash on it and then it's got like some chains and then the rope and then so you, you hold it in one hand and you kind of loop it around a few times so it's not dragging on the floor and you just swing this thing around you wow i've been trying all the combinations because i'm doing a martial arts show in february with all this stuff i've learned 
And um, I'm going to have... Like a Fringe Festival show? Yeah, Adelaide Fringe. Okay. Uh, at the Rhino. It's um, the whole time on stage, innocuously, I'm going to have like a microphone, which is going to be rubber. I'm going to like mold a rubber microphone. I, I feel like a... we should like have got people who are going to the show not to hear this. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a bit of a spoiler alert. But anyway, I'm no. so excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. you'll appreciate it, Dan. Um, it's going to be the same balance as the Meteor Hammer. Um, so it's made of rubber, a rubber microphone, uh, black with a black cord, and it's going to be. I'm going to pull it out and start fighting with it halfway through oh, the show and doing all the techniques. I am impressed with that. Oh, thank you. I'm very <laughs> That's excited so about cool. that. And it's, it's rubber, so it doesn't hurt the person I'm, I'm fighting. I'm going to hope you're much. touring the show around. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. It's going to be in Melbourne Fringe next year as well, and then Melbourne Comedy, and then Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah fantastic. But it's something different, Dan. Do you, do you know the feeling when you try something that's not only you've not done before, but nobody's done before, and you're like, What's going to happen? Like, I'm in that position right now. I'm mm. like, will, will there be five people there every night? Like, or Who's going to come and see a ninja comedy show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's unprecedented. But, you know, it doesn't... Even if there's not an audience for it, I really want to do this. And I'm going to love it. I'm going to love every minute of it. So, you know, and I might get injured, but that's, you know, that's fine too. Didn't but you... I love you, Jackie Chan, which is oh, why, yeah. What do you mean? Jackie Chan is just... I grew up on Jackie Chan. He's my well, hero. Well, yeah, actually, let's go... So that's, we've talked about the history of Ninja, we've talked about your experience with Ninja, but what about pop culture Ninja-wise? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, basically how it happened was um, Roald Dahl, who wrote the BFG, and, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, the Big Friendly Giant and all those books. We know. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. etc. yeah. So he's traveling through Japan in the 60s. And this is amazing how full circle all this is because he saw a film called Shinobi no Mano, which is one of the first great ninja films. And ninja films weren't great for a long time. This one is genuinely authentic, and they're not just doing silly things for no reason like they are in the 80s. This is a 60s black-and-white ninja film, and I, I recommend it to anyone, even if you don't like martial arts or ninjas. It's just a great film, beautifully shot, incredible movie. So Roald Dahl sees this movie. He's traveling around Japan by train and sees the film, uh, and he's writing a screenplay at the time for... Um, Mr. Uh, Sean Connery uh, called You Only Live Twice, which is set, uh, he said it in Japan. And he included, actually, he kind of directly ripped off a scene, which is the one where um, there's, a, there's a guy asleep who has to be assassinated, spoiler alert. And um, <laughs> he, instead of um, killing the, the guy, the ninja uh, climbs into the ceiling and waits forever and then drops poison down a thread. Into, oh, into their mouth. yeah, okay. So the person's yeah. asleep and they just like, the poison goes into the mouth and that's how they die. So no one ever sees anyone. He just pulls the thread back up again and gets out of there. So actual ninja assassination technique. Um, so Roald Dahl put that in the book and here, here's how amazing it is. Shinobi no Mano, the advisors to the filmmakers in Japan were Hatsumi Sensei and when he was a young man, he was like in his 20s and his teacher Takamatsu Sensei. So they, they advised on the film. Oh, the film, the James, the no, the Shinobi the, no Mano. Oh, okay, the original yeah. Japanese one from yeah. the 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Takamatsu Sensei and and um, and Hatsumi Sensei. I think Takamatsu Sensei might have passed by the time they were making the James Bond film. But uh, Hatsumi Sensei was invited in to be a consultant for that one as well. Wow. And and there's a scene in the movie where uh, Sean Connery is in, in the shot with him. So the two of them, like somebody comes in, I think he's playing, Hatsumi Sensei's playing like an assistant to one of the big um, kind of Japanese kind of uh, characters in the film. 
but yeah, he's he's in the movie, and this is a guy I've I've trained with. I've, You've been his chauffeur. <laughs> yes, yes, basically. Yeah, so it's not not to cheapen it. <laughs> <laughs> is this where the Western fascination with ninjas started with James Bond? Yeah, James Bond. That's crazy. Totally I didn't is, know yeah, that. Is, yeah, yeah. It, he totally brought James Bond. Uh, James Bond totally brought ninjas into the public eye. Thanks to and Roald through Roald Dahl as well. Yeah, he wrote John the Chocolate Factory. It's a, the birth of the ninja in the in the West is That's incredible. That's a fantastic piece of trivia. Yeah, yeah, isn't that isn't it? And then from um, that, I guess it was a slow simmer until the ninja boom of the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were just like, well, "Wow, who are these mysterious kind of characters?" And I think uh, there were a lot of books written by Westerners who didn't really understand the tradition or the history of the ninja, but and they took like, a bit of artistic license with it. Yeah, people like Eric Van Lustbader and um, you know the guy who wrote Shogun, I think, as well okay. as another example, but. Yeah, it did simmer away. You're right. It's it's strange. It was a real kind of whoa. These these guys are sort of mystic and intense. What are they? Then in the eighties, just went boom. It just exploded. There were so many ninja films, all of which were incredibly popular among kids about my age. Yeah, this was your youth, but older. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. And so there were video games. There were there were movies. There were books. There was magazines and. Yeah, I just I remember buying a ninja magazine in Dublin. I was you know I was up there visiting family and. Um, just being so excited by this magazine and had pictures of ninjas and like techniques and weapons and stuff but on the cover was Hatsumi Sensei when he was he was about 50 back then he's 87 now and I just it's so funny that I've known about him for I guess 30 years now yeah but um yeah all thanks to you know the guy who wrote Willy Wonka that's just <laughs> there's so and yeah. Like so, the guy who wrote Willy Wonka and all that sort of stuff, Roald Dahl, he got mixed up with James Bond. He found this old movie that had this guy in it who then went on to be in James Bond, who is now like your sensei. And you, as a kid, watch these movies and like, yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Now that you mention it, it, is pretty bizarre. <laughs> and they say there's no thing, no such thing as a coincidence. Who knows? Um, I got to tell you a story if we are going to go as well. Really yeah. Quickly. Um, so you know the way you have to do everything for your sensei, and he does everything for his sensei, and then so on up to the grandmaster. Well, we're driving along in the car, and uh, we're driving in convoy behind my sensei, sensei, who's six foot eight. And just built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. This guy does not need ninjutsu. He's just an absolute uh, man mountain. Lo- lovely man, very high-powered businessman because business is, th- is the new art of war, yeah? Um, so all the techniques from uh, martial arts can be applied to business and so on. So it's very interesting. But we're in the car in convoy and behind me, uh, we're, we're behind Sensei Sensei. Let's call him Darren Sensei because that's his name. <laughs> so my Sensei goes, uh, all right, Dave, um, it's raining. And I've gone, yes. And he goes, so when we get to Sensei's house, you need to undo your seatbelt while the car's rolling to a stop, open the door, run around. There's the umbrella, okay? Pick, put the umbrella up and like just follow him uh, to his house and uh, make sure he doesn't get wet. And I've gone, oh, this is really important. Okay, uh, better remember that. And so uh, I feel pressure as you do and you don't want to mess up, which is when you mess up. Um, so um, I've promptly forgotten all this. And we've, we've been having a great conversation about the, the morning's class. We end up getting to the house. And I'm just, I'd forgotten all about it. He goes, Dave, move, move. I've gone, oh, oh, oh. I've gone, oh, oh. And I just, I couldn't find the umbrella. And then I've got the umbrella. And then I was trying to open the door. And, and I'd lock myself in somehow with my elbow. I've gone, oh, no. So I quickly open the door. Then I've, I've gone around. And Sensei's already out of his car, Sensei, Sensei. And he's coming around the back of his car. 
and I stand in front of him thinking I need to cover him with this umbrella that's my job and I need to do it right now and like I'm wiggling this umbrella and he's like just <laughs> going like this like it's about to hit him in the face and this is the 80 year old sensei no no this is oh, okay. uh, the 6 foot 8 guy yeah. oh yeah alright thank Got goodness it. yeah I think they don't let you engage with those yeah, high level senses until they, they, they observe you working with um, the mid level sensei. So he's trying to get around me because it's raining and he's being rained on. And I'm thinking, no, I have to I have to make him not be rained on with this umbrella, forgetting that I'm blocking him from getting into his own house. So eventually he gets around me and I'm struggling with the umbrella. And then I realize my hand is on the button that you press. I'm covering it with my hand. So that's why I couldn't open it. I've gone, oh, there it is. So I've gone Pfft, like this. And it was the saddest thing ever. <laughs> as soon as he got into the door and the door closed, the umbrella just slowly went. <laughs> and I've, I'm just standing there. I just right? look over and my sensei's just absolutely pissing himself laughing. However, to this day, I maintain I was doing it to confuse would-be assassins. I thought maybe there's a sniper. <laughs> and so if I do this dance of ridic- ridiculousness, he'll be safe. That's the misdirection that you were talking about earlier. Yes. And to this day, you're fine with swords and all the weapons, but you're not trusted with the umbrellas. No, they'll trust me with anything but an umbrella. I think I almost had his eye out a few times. Far out. That's Again, I just love just getting to the end of these chats and being like, this. the conversation has gone in directions I couldn't have even imagined. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Thanks for chatting ninjas with us. We oh, ma- you managed to survive the whole time without any assassination attempts happen or... Maybe you were stopping them without me even knowing. (laughs) (laughs) You've no idea how true that probably is. Yeah, Dan, you came close to death so many times and Dave, you didn't even break a sweat. (laughs) (laughs) Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan DeBooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel. And the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kutry.